The Gist is brought to you by DraftKings. One-week fantasy football at DraftKings means every moment of every game could take you closer to a life-changing payday. Play when you want and pick a new team every time. Use the code GIST to play for free with your first deposit in Sunday's Million Dollar Fantasy Contest. Only at DraftKings.com. And by Citrix GoToMeeting. When meetings matter, millions choose GoToMeeting. Hold a meeting with anyone from the convenience of your computer, smartphone, or tablet. Try it free for 30 days by visiting GoToMeeting.com and clicking the Try It Free button. That's GoToMeeting.com. Try it free. The following podcast contains explicit language. It's Monday, September 28th, 2015. From Slate, it's the gist. I'm Mike Pasca. President Obama spoke at the UN today. He got off a few good diplomazings. Chanting death to America does not create jobs or make Iran more secure. And then he was on to Russia, laid into Vladimir Putin's excursion into Ukraine. It's clear that Putin is on a war footing. Though a few days ago, White House spokesman Josh Ernst was talking not about Vladimir Putin's footing, but his legs. President Putin was striking a now familiar pose of, uh, um, of uh, less than perfect posture uh, and unbuttoned jacket and um, uh, uh, you know, knees spread far apart uh, to, uh, to convey a, a, a particular image. This really is the administration's problem with Putin. He takes up two seats on the subway. It's not the territorial expansion. It's not the spreading of Russian forces throughout the region, not even the spreading of Russian propaganda through state-controlled media outlets. It's man-spreading. Putin's a man-spreader, and man-spreaders must be shamed. But you know what the remarkable thing about hearing from Obama at the UN was? It's that we heard from Obama. I've noticed that I haven't heard a thing from Obama in a long, long time. It's not that he's been totally uncovered, but what I do, I listen to a little NPR, I watch a little network news, not really that much. See the clips, the people send me the clips, just her, haven't heard from Obama in weeks. So I asked my friend Andrew Tyndall, who runs the Tyndall Report, he chronicles the network news, and he, he had a very interesting proxy. He looked at White House correspondents, the individuals who cover the White House. He started with August 24th. Obama had just gotten off vacation, and he says since August 24th, there have been a total of five stories filed by White House correspondents. On the 31st, both CBS and NBC covered the climate change trip to Alaska, and then there was two stories on CBS, one about the Iran deal, one about Pope Francis's visit, and then the Chinese president visit was covered on September 25th. That's it. Here, a quote, Andrew Tyndall. In conclusion, amid ever more attention being paid to the task of running for and securing the presidency of the United States of America, less and less attention is paid to what the president actually does when he gets the job. And I would note there are only 479 days until Obama leaves office, and then another president takes over, and we will be careful to scrutinize his or her first 100 days, and then we're on to other things. The Pope might come back, the Muppets might get canceled, but we'll be on it. On the show today, well, forget about the show today. Let's talk about the show tomorrow, the live show in Brooklyn. If you haven't gotten your tickets left, some are still available. I assume, as of me saying this, they are. It's slate.com slash NYC gist. If you've been planning to do it, you can plan no longer. It is tomorrow, live in Brooklyn, the bell house, slate.com slash NYC gist. But on the show today, Popa Palooza, the Pope goes home. And I poop on the Pope. All right, I don't poop on the Pope. I poop on Pope coverage. 
not the Holy Father, the coverage, the news media's apparent belief you could gush your way into heaven. But first, he created a TV show called Everybody Loves Raymond. That enabled Phil Rosenthal to expand his palate. And now he's taking you on a culinary excursion through the eyes of a generally risk-averse guy from Queens. Football's here. Your team may already be eliminated, unless your team is a DraftKings weekly fantasy team. With millions of dollars in prizes being paid out each week, every play and every game could take you closer to a life-changing payday. Hurry to DraftKings.com now, use promo code GIST, and play for free with your first deposit in this Sunday's $1 million fantasy contest. It's not fantasy as usual, it's DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Enter GIST for free now, only at DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. He describes himself as Anthony Bourdain. If Anthony Bourdain were afraid of everything, he's Phil Rosenthal. You might know him from Everybody Loves Raymond. That's the show he produced and made a couple dollars on. So now he's donating his time to PBS, sort of. The new show is I'll Have What Phil's Having. It's Phil's Travels Throughout the World Eating. Hey, Phil, how are you? I'm, I'm a little hungry, to be honest. Of course, That's good. That's good for the brand. What was your relationship to food growing up? Growing up, uh, as I say in the opening credits, you know, I uh, there were things I never tasted growing up, like food with any flavor. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't anybody's fault because, you know, we didn't have a lot of money and both my parents worked and it just wasn't a priority, like, like having flavorful, great, delicious food. It just wasn't. I would say the cuisine in our home was cheap. Yeah. And right. it wasn't easy. Now you fall yeah. into it. Now there's yeah. a Whole Foods or a Fairway. Then everything, you know, Wonder Bread was cutting edge. Yeah, but when I got out of that house, yeah. you know the scene in The Wizard of Oz when she opens the door and suddenly the world's in color? Yes. That's what it was like for me because I was having flavors I never had before. I went uh, to an Italian restaurant with some friends in college and we're eating just pasta. And I said, this is delicious. And they're like, what? This is a dumpy nothing. This is what? What is this? Pasta with sauce. Yes, but what what are these little white things, for example, chopped up in the sauce? They said, what, garlic? Yes, garlic. I never had garlic until I was 18 years old. I never had it. I was living like an animal. <laughs> was it all kugel? Was it all Jewish-type uh, cuisine? I just broke the fast, and oh, my God, it was Carb Fest 15. We love it, It was right? matzo balls and bagels. Yeah, and, yeah. bagels yeah. and lox and all yeah, that's that stuff. Okay. Yeah, like we got fish, that once yeah. in a while. That was great. <laughs> you had to go a day without eating to earn it, but yeah. That's right. <laughs> if we're making all that, you're not going to eat today. <laughs> until that happens. People ask me, yeah, you look so skinny and you eat yeah. so much. What happens? Well, when you see me eating, that's it for the day. You know what I mean? And I tell everybody, you got to pick your spots. You can't go nuts every day, right? You're not on vacation every day. Now, this whole show is about you taking a vacation. I think the world would be a better place if we all experienced other people's experiences. It's very simple. Mm-hmm. And for me, food and our most underrated value as human beings, a sense of humor, is the way in. That's how we connect. You and I would have lunch, and you would have lunch anyway. And Me sitting with you at lunch, we would talk, and that's how I'd get to know you. You get to know me. But if we had a sense of humor, mm-hmm. if I had a sense of humor that you responded to or vice versa, and we found that it was similar or even just appreciated by the other person, this is the way in. This yeah. is how I have found in my years on earth 
how to connect with people. It's a connection that goes around the conscious brain, just like food right. does, right? right? You get them through the gut or you get them through the laugh, and then you're kind of short-circuiting what should be differences. I mean, the, the last project was a selling Everybody Loves Raymond to Russia, right? That's called Exporting Raymond. Yes. It's actually how I got this show okay. indirectly. That I made that. The Russians asked me to come over and turn Everybody Loves Raymond into Everybody Loves Kostya. <laughs> so I went and did that, and I filmed the whole thing. It's a documentary. It's actually streaming on Netflix right now. It's called Exporting Raymond. PBS saw this documentary. Documentary. They called me in. They said, we like you. We like this thing. We like the idea of you going places. Mm -hmm. I said, so does my wife. <laughs> what do you have in mind? Honey, were you behind this? Yes, right. <laughs> Did you tell this company to get me out of the house? And they said, what do you have in mind? I said, I have this fantasy that I have a show where every episode I go to another great city and I show you where to eat. And they said, yes. Yes. Where do you want to go? What do you mean? We're giving you six on the air. What? Like right away. First season is six episodes. I'm, I'm, right. I'm doing it. Monday night. Yeah. So you did. You did Tokyo. Hong Kong. That's the first one. Yeah. Hong uh, Kong. Italy. Uh, Paris. Barcelona. Barcelona. And I yeah. uh, don't want to make a fight, but my favorite food city, what I think is the best food city in America at the moment, Los Angeles. L.A. Yeah. Well, that was because the budget ran out after five episodes. <laughs> I could have done it here. I could have done it in New York. Is I'm from the, New York. Is it the greatest food city because the, it's every cuisine in the world? You got it. Yeah. We have, the, the at the <clears throat> moment, the most culturally diverse city in maybe the world. Yeah. Biggest popula Chinese population in the world outside of China is in the San Gabriel Valley. Yes. You can visit every province of China by going to the different neighborhoods in the San Gabriel Valley. It's awesome. There's a restaurant there called Chengdu Taste that features the, the Sichuan peppercorn, mm -hmm. right, which has that numb taste. So it's super spicy, and this other thing in it numbs your tongue to the super spiciness, but not the flavor. So it's kind of like eating in 3D. Mm -hmm. There's this third thing that happens in your mouth. Yeah. It's not just flavor and texture, which we always get, but this sensation also of like why it's like my lips and tongue are numb. Huh. And tingly. So when you said it at first, I was yeah. like, all right, a food asbestos suit, food condom. But it sounds actually more like food virtual reality. Exactly. Yeah, like you're wearing the helmet and experiencing. I recommend it. There's yeah. a couple places here in New York now that have it. Um, well, you know where the best Chinatown here in New York is? It's in Flushing. There are a few Chinatowns, but what they're doing in Flushing is kicking Come on. ass. I know it. Yeah. When you are you get from off Queens? Yeah, I was born yeah. in Queens. When you get off the seven train, yeah. the, at the end of the line, yeah. you get out and you're in it. Yeah. That's so I'm telling people, just do that. You don't have to know where it is. Just take the seven to the end. What, it takes an hour? Right. One past, one past the Mets. One, one past, past the Willis Mets. Point. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Na Nancy <laughs> Silverton, uh -huh. the great chef from L.A., Moza, and she invented La Brea Bakery, which I think you can get the breads here now. Anyway, she goes... There's this genius who sits in a window, this woman, and what she does is she's carving Peking duck all day, and she wraps it in the little crepe with the sauce and the, the hoisin sauce and the cucumber oh. and the scallion, and she passes it to you through the window for a dollar. <laughs> it's awesome. So we know how much Peking duck is in yeah. the restaurant. Yeah. It can be 60 bucks. Yeah. And you get maybe- and you got to call ahead. And you it's get maybe, thing. if you're with a few people, you get maybe two of these. Right. Right. So why not just go there and eat 10 of them for $10? It's amazing. So you made some money on Raymond. Still, when you get a bargain with food, the food tastes better, right? 
I'm sorry. I don't care how much money you have in the bank. Everybody likes a deal. <laughs> Who doesn't? What is the relationship between Jews and Chinese food? Why is that there? I don't know. But, the, you know, my father loves telling this joke that the, the, uh, the, the Hebrew religion was formed uh, 5,000 B.C. and the Chinese culture was formed at 3,000 B.C., which, and so the question is, what did Jews do for 2,000 years? <laughs> I'm going to guess, complain. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> the um, body at rest complains. How, we find. Uh, so much of American culture is exported. It is loved. I remember, you know, after the 9-11 attacks, they said that these guys, even the terrorists, would, be a f- would have fed a steady diet of friends in American action movies. I don't know if it has any effect. Does it have some effect that the American culture has permeated the world? Does it make people like America a little bit? I know we shouldn't expect it to do the job of diplomacy, but what's your take on the fact that they respond to American culture much of the world, yet they seem not to like America? That's very interesting. I think that American culture is our diplomacy Mm -hmm. in the world. It's what people, the people see. Uh, and I like to think that our best movies, you know, represent us, right? Our best entertainment shows represent us. I also think it goes the other way. Our worst stuff represents yeah. us too. And sadly, as I get older, I don't see it as so great all the time anymore. I'll tell you something else. I'm more concerned with the food culture we're exporting, right? Yeah. When you're in Italy, where they have some of the best coffee in the world, do I need to see a Starbucks there on every friggin' corner like I do here? Is that my favorite coffee? It's imperialism. It, it's, it's, it is a way as, of stomping st- your yeah. brand on yeah. the world. Yeah. If I'm in Paris, I want to eat a McDonald's and, and have Parisian culture influenced by McDonald's? I'm not proud of it. Yeah. Right? There's other great things. There's a few great chefs now in Paris that are taking Paris by storm. Great American chefs who are doing amazing food that does a and lot food that we can be proud of, the yeah. farm-to-table stuff, yeah. right, which actually came from Paris, <laughs> came yeah. from France to us, and now we're bringing it back there, and they're appreciating it. I see it. It's in the show. Well, that, liter- that literally is diplomacy. That is speaking their language, not forcing yes. them to speak our language. That is diplomacy. Okay, so of, the, <laughs> of, these, of the, all the cities, have you been to all of them and eaten them, all of them before the show? No, Tokyo, which you'll see, my genuine reaction is, oh, my God, I don't know if I like this. This is like 50 Times Squares all piled up on each other. Have you been there? Just for a day. You were there for a day. And what would yeah. you think? Like in a day. In a day? Yeah. It was a lot. It was a lot to take in. It was Sensory a, overload. Assault on the senses. Assault. Yes. I used that exact yes. expression. I'm like, I'm not trying. I think I want to hide in my hotel like lost in translation. Right. I, I, I get it. I get that. Yeah. Like, this, uh, 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 like, we're always told about the subtlety of the Japanese culture and the nuance, and then yes. you go out to Tokyo and it's like, wow. Okay, but I'm here to tell you that very quickly, the moment you sit down to eat, even, mm-hmm. you get it. You start to get it. You start to get the culture. Just like a lot of things in life, not everything is as it appears to be at first. Mm-hmm. And right behind that superficial facade is beauty culture, more parks than in any other city in the world Hmm. that are spectacularly beautiful. And so are the people. And so is the way they, their way of life. And, you know, you go to a department store and uh, the ground floor is an incredible food hall like you can't imagine. And you buy a pastry and they wrap it as if it's for your hundredth birthday. Yes, that is true. (laughs) 
<laughs> right? Yes. Every single thing. You buy a piece of gum wrapped like your 100th <laughs> birthday. It's the attention to detail. Exactly right. I'll have what Phil's having. The new series debuts on PBS. When, Phil? Monday, September 28th. I don't know when this airs. Are we live right now? No, we're not live. We're dead. Yeah. What are we? We might we might play it on Monday. There you go. It, it either will have aired or has aired or depending when we are, you're listening to it. What are you doing listening to our podcast? Put on PBS now. Put on PBS now. Just the, the way the world is now. Just set your DVR you for go. I'll have what Phil's having. The DVR is an amazing thing. It'll do the rest. Phil Rosenthal. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Hey, think about the time, money, and hassle it takes to hold a meeting. Don't think about it anymore. It's taking too much time to think about it. So just do this. Go to Citrix Go to Meeting because it is the smarter way to meet. It makes it easy to meet with your team whenever you need to, wherever you are, because you could do it from any computer, tablet, or smartphone. No traffic, no travel expenses, just clicking a link. No signups, no speed bumps. You got a webcam, you got HD quality. It's like being in the room with all the people on your team. You share feedback in real time. What can't you do with GoToMeeting? Well, you can try it free for 30 days. How about that? I want you to sign up for GoToMeeting today. And if you try it for 30 days, you really have nothing to lose. So you visit GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button. Do it now and you'll have your first meeting up and running in minutes. That's GoToMeeting.com for your free 30-day trial. And now the spiel, Arrivederci Papa, the Pope. Maybe you heard this. The Pope was in America all weekend. Which Pope? Oh, Pope Francis, that Pope, the Pope, the Vicar of Christ on Earth, the Bishop of Rome. The Adler of TV newscaster Brains, apparently, who were asked to talk for more than two minutes over footage of, say, the Pope changing cars in midtown Manhattan. He lives simply, he lives humbly. What must he be thinking of all this fuss right now? I mean, here you are in New York City. Have you seen the Sistine Chapel? It ain't subtle. And you know what I love about him is he is so aware of all of his surroundings. And he takes the time to turn around and say hello and wave to the crowd behind him. What, what an achievement for the head of state whose job it is to be the messenger of God on earth to wave, to wave to crowds in a glass-enclosed car built to enable him to wave to crowds. It's amazing. He waves to crowds. All right. Maybe it was me. Maybe I'm being difficult. Or maybe news people actually were comporting themselves, not like news people, but like 11-year-olds at a One Direction concert. Can you possibly describe the energy on that tarmac this morning? Right. Well, my heart is about to explode <laughs> out of my chest. I get it. Everyone's excited. Newscasters need to be liked. The CBS radio station combined, all of them, the CBS radio stations combined to make a Pope cast. It was full, chock a block, with coverage of the Pope's visit. I noticed a channel on my local cable station, just flipping through the high thousands. There was something called Pope USA. It was just all Pope coverage. And it's not as if there were zero stories about, let's call them, the difficulties of the Catholic Church today. You know, some stories dealt with the clergy abuse scandal. Some stories dealt with navigating the American tradition of cafeteria Catholicism. But really, if you file your IRS report and you fill out reporter on the form, you may want to contextualize statements like this from a pilgrim getting a glimpse of the Pope. Her son, Sebastian, was born with a rare genetic condition with a very short life expectancy. She prays the Pope will reach out and touch his hand so Sebastian can be healed. 
A touch from the Pope can cure. That is not news reporting. That is magic. And you don't just want to be passing along without comment claims of out-and-out magic. The Pope almost looked embarrassed by all the attention. He is such a humble man, but that is part of the magic. And what did the Cardinals say? All right, maybe you do. It was almost exactly like local coverage when a local team wins the World Series, and I've been in a lot of cities on the night when this happened. It's an attitude of beatitudes, and I get it. But what I would have liked to have seen out of Pope coverage is, well, some of it that they did give us. Some of it was great. I do like it when priests or bishops or some expert explains Catholic arcana. And context, I do like experts talking about how remarkable it is that the Pope talks much more about acceptance of, say, gay people than exclusion of, say, divorced people. But he was treated as if his holiness wasn't simply an honorific, but actually an actual fact, a state of affairs. His positions, be kind, live humbly, love your family, they're taken, they're they're passed on as if they're great insights, as if there are no complications to those thoughts. People have asked, during, during this visit, I've heard people say, I saw Governor Cuomo saying, why can't there be a U.S. leader who speaks with such clarity? Well, for one, if the Pope were a U.S. leader of any kind, he'd be unelectable. That's right, I said it, the Pope would be primaried. Oh, so you're against gay marriage, but you're really concerned with global warming and the excesses of capitalism? Well, I can think of two political parties where you'd have no place. So is that a flaw of the U.S. system? I mean, maybe to some extent, what it really is, is a reflection of what U.S. citizens actually want from their leaders. That's why the parties have organized themselves in that way. The Pope simply activates a different part of our brain than a U.S. leader does when each are talking. When a U.S. leader talks, we impugn his motivations. We put our guards up. We think about, say, Obama, when he preaches hope, we say, ah, it's an empty promise. Or when George W. Bush talked about family values, we say, oh, it's hypocritical. It's a dog whistle. It's a, really just a, a coded call to discriminate, to help yourself in the polls. And, we, you know, we are right to be critical thinkers when it comes to our leaders. But why should we abandon all judgment when it comes to a figure like the Pope? When the Pope mumbled, we called him quiet and serene. When the Pope stumbled, we marveled that he walks it all and carries his own bag. When he says a bromide, we call it a great truth, a simple truth. When he endorsed what really was a de minimis policy of reform within his own troubled organization, we called that bold. On his way out in an interview, the Pope said something very vague about an equally vague question about following your conscience. In fact, on his plane flight out of America, he was asked in Italian, should government workers follow their beliefs? Vague question. And he vaguely said, I don't know all the facts, but yes, it is important to allow people to follow their conscience. This was reported as Pope seems to side with Kim Davis. Come on. Now that the Pope has left, let's all learn a lesson. No, not the lesson the Philadelphia affiliate of NBC took away as the Pope's plane waited on the tarmac. After all of the incredible performances and singers, hearing him get up in front of that crowd and just speak extemporaneously with such passion and love for the people and love for family. Hey, I like this Pope. I think he's genuine. I think his points of emphasis are different and refreshing from past Popes. That's what makes him a good Pope. But please, please, news people, extract your lips from the fisherman ring for a second and realize this. He is the answer to 
what should the leader of the Catholic Church act like? He is not every voter's answer, nor is he every viewer's salvation. And that's it for today's show. Andrea Salenzi produces the gist. She could be the president, but she'd rather be the pope. But what she really wants to be is the chair of the Senate Subcommittee on Nutrition, Specialty Crops, and Agricultural Research. Andy Bauer's executive producer could be the side effect, but he'd rather be the dope. But secretly, he harbors the hope to one day be the non-approved off-label use. And again, slate.com slash NYC gist. I'll be talking to Samantha B before she becomes the host, like one of the first female hosts of a late night TV show ever. And Adam Davidson, first time anyone's ever asked him about interest rates. No, but I'll do it a little bit more interesting. Your questions for Is That Bullshit with Maria Konnikova, it's just a fraction. You get to find out who the musical guest is. You get to say, ah, totally makes sense. I like that guy. So come to the Bell House in Brooklyn tomorrow. Slate.com slash NYC gist. And let me give you this number. 844-387-6962. That's the number of They Might Be Giants' Dial-A-Song. Starting Tuesday, they'll put a new song up there. But starting today, like every Monday, the gist debuts of They Might Be Giants' song. Here is today's Moles, Hounds, Bears, Bees, and Hares.